church. Um, Fiona Keeble, would you like to come up the front here? Why don't we welcome Fiona? She is great. Look at her running down. Come on down. Woohoo! Fiona is our um, Connect Ministry leader. I don't know what that is, Fiona, but do you want to tell us about it or tell us what's going on? He might regret the day that he gave me this microphone. But anyway, my name's Fiona, or Fee, or Fifas, or Princess, or whatever you like to call me. Anyway, I've been coming to this church for about four and a half years, four and a half years this time around, and um, I've got a couple of sons who come here also, and it's okay, Joel and Blair, I won't point you out, it's cool, like that, that'd be embarrassing. So they're my small family, me and Joel and Blair. But you know what? I belong to a bigger family, and you're it. You're my brothers and sisters in the family of God. And it's so important to care for each other and to find out who we are. It was so neat tonight, just welcoming each other. And, you know, I've, I've seen some people here tonight that I've never seen before. And watch out, because I'm going to target you later at supper. But it's so important to know um, and connect with each other and to find out about each other and to um, have care for each other. And if you weren't here last oh, I'm puffed running up there. <laughs> And if you weren't here last week, I really encourage you to get a copy of the message because Mason spoke about God's love and how we, it is not just if you feel like it, chat with each other and connect and have concern and care for each other. It's actually a commandment. And we're to do it unconditionally. And um, as brothers and sisters in the family of God, I really encourage you to do this. And one way that you can do it is actually uh, there's a ministry Um, that happens within this church. I'm really passionate about it. Everybody on board this ministry team is really passionate about it. And um, it's just great. It's an awesome ministry. It's called Connect. And um, when you walked in the door, you would have been greeted by a couple of people. They're on the Connect team. Uh, The people who do the offering are part of the Connect team. The people who serve communion. The people who serve you supper. And the whole point of the team is to, you know, just have a look for new people that might be um, coming to church to welcome you, to make you feel welcome into this, into this family, into this church building. And, um, you know, if you're feeling something, if, if you're feeling on your heart that God would like to, you to be involved in some ministry in this church, and I strongly encourage you to be involved in some ministry, to, to become part of the church, the Connect team is always looking for new people. So if you're interested... Um, at some stage of the service, we ask you to fill out the, the blue cards. And these are really fantastic tools because um, there's all sorts of ministries that you can be involved in. And there's no, um, there's no reason why any of us should feel lonely or feel isolated because we can put in and we can become involved. And Connect would love to have you on board. So if you'd like to see me after the service or if you'd like to fill out the um, blue card to indicate that you're interested, that would be great. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Fiona. She does great stuff there. So, um, and then just a final one before we continue on in our service is that on the 18th of, uh, of this month, we have um, Vision Sunday. And this is um, Jonathan and, and the, the pastoral team have been really engaging um, with, you know, what is God, what direction is God really leading us as a church? And it's been like three and a half years, yeah, about that, a bit more, in the making uh, four years in the making and on the 18th of May um, Jonathan is going to share with us the vision and it's going to be brilliant and it's going to be three Sundays that happen starting on the 18th and I just want to encourage us all to to come along to these three messages I know Jonathan 
is excited and the rest of the, the pastoral team, including myself, are excited about this vision. And uh, as people who belong to our church here, become a part of it, like get along there and listen and, and start processing and going like, you know, this is, this is some good stuff to be thinking about. So on the 18th, and also to um, begin the, the Vision Sunday, we're actually going to have a picnic um, barbecue down at Willow Park. Um, and that's going to be after the morning service. So about what people rock down there midday, they'll find it, won't we? So even if you come to the night, you don't come to the morning, um, come to the picnic. It'd be brilliant to be, you know, kind of see your wider family, um, the people who worship in the, in the morning congregation. So that's going to be great. Now, we're going to pray, but I've asked um, Jimbo Punton to kind of, kind of lead us in prayer tonight. So why don't you just um, encourage Jimbo as he comes to pray for us. Wow, there's a lot going on, isn't there? We are very, very busy people. Let's talk to God about it all. Dear Father, dear Heavenly Father, thank you that there's so much going on. Thank you that we have so much to be busy with. But Lord, we remember that we're not here to do stuff. We're not here to work real hard. We're not here to be really busy. Lord, we're here because of you. We're here because of your love for us. We're here because while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And Lord, that's just amazing because that means that we had no part in it. We didn't do anything. It was completely up to you that humanity was rescued. It was completely up to you, God, that each of us could be brought into relationship with you. And Lord, we've got this amazing ability now to enjoy relationship through what Jesus has done on the cross. And Lord, we've got this amazing um, freedom that comes from Christ. We can now find our identity in Christ when we put our faith in Him. We can find complete wholeness, complete healing and complete fullness of life in Christ when we put our faith in Him. And Lord, this is fantastic. But Lord, it means that the price was big. The price that you paid was death. Because we had rebelled, Lord. Because while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus. And Lord, we're sorry for that rebellion. We're sorry that we go our own way. We're sorry that we do things that aren't what you want us to do. We do things that take you off the throne and we put ourselves on the throne of our lives, Father. We do things like be really greedy. We get angry at each other. We don't forgive. We become selfish. We become lustful. Father, we go our own way, each of us like sheep, and we're easily led astray. We pray, Lord, that you would have mercy, that you would forgive us from these sins. And Lord, we stand now tonight as a group of people and as individuals, and we say, Lord, that we are sorry for the ways in which we have sinned against you and the ways in which we have rebelled. But Lord, it's been revealed to us in your word that you forgive. It's been revealed to us that grace is freely available to all in Christ and we stand in your grace. Lord, help us to rejoice. Help us to know deep down inside that we've been set free by Christ. Help us to remember, Lord, that your word says that we are now justified by the death of Jesus. We now have peace with God. Peace that's been bought at the cross. Not the type of peace that's an emotional feeling, but more than that, God, the type of peace that came with victory on the cross. 
the type of peace that lasts forever, the type of peace that is certainty and rooted in Jesus. Lord, we pray that we would continue to put our faith in Jesus. And as a response to this, Lord, we have so many things we want to do. We have so many things that we want to see our world become. And we've got so many of these happening tonight, Lord. We've got things like the Connect Ministry, Lord, where we seek to reach out to each other and where we seek to really uh, welcome new people into this congregation, welcome new people into our midst. Lord, we pray that we would continue to, to do this. We pray for Fee, uh, Princess Fee, as she heads this up, Lord. We pray that she would continue to serve you faithfully. And we pray, Lord, that if, if you've been laying it on our hearts, that we would speak to her and we would say, yeah, I want to help out. I want to make new people feel welcome. I want to make your kingdom grow. And Lord, we've got things like One Voice happening on Friday night. Help us to get behind that, Lord. Help us to really put aside the pride that we have in the way we do things sometimes and help us to know that other people from other churches can also worship Jesus. It may not look the same, it may not feel the same, and it may be a bit kind of uncomfortable to see what they do sometimes, Lord, but help us know that they worship you and that together one day we'll stand around your, your throne in heaven and we'll worship you together. So, Lord, help us to get used to it now and help us to stick our necks out now to get used to it. Uh, Lord, we've got Vision Sunday. Pray, Lord, that we would get behind the vision of this church as you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, lead us into where we'll go, into uh, following you. Lord, we pray for the leaders. We pray that we thank you, Lord, that they've um, spent the time to do this. Thank you, Lord, that Jono and Phil and Gail and all the elders and the deacons have sat down and they have thought of these things and they've really gone um, hungering and thirsting after you to listen to you and see what you would have us to do, Lord. We pray that we would be obedient and that the vision would be centred on the gospel. Lord, thanks for um, this fantastic world we live in, but Lord, not always does it go well. Lord, we think of uh, things like um, the situation in China with Tibet at the moment. Lord, we lift up to you the Christians in China. Lord, it's not a bad thing to be suffering. In fact, it's a good thing to be suffering, you say in your word. And Lord, we see that um, here that some of them are suffering, that there's many millions of Christians in China that are suffering under a kind of regime that doesn't want them to put authority any higher than the state. And Lord, we pray that they would continue to rely on Jesus for their authority. We pray that you would strengthen them by your spirit, bind them together. And Lord, we pray that we would continue to be faithful in uplifting them for prayer. And Lord, we think of the situation in Burma at the moment with the cyclone that's just gone through. There's many thousands of people who have been displaced and people killed and drowned and homes destroyed. And Lord, we pray for that country. A country that's under an oppressive regime that denies any authority other than itself. Lord, we pray that your spirit would work powerfully in the Christians in that country they would continue to put their faith in you and they continue to reach out and follow Jesus despite what it costs in their country. Give them strength, give them safety, Lord. And above all, Lord, we pray that you would keep them safe until they return to see you in glory also. Our Lord, we think of the situation in Zimbabwe at the moment as well, Lord, and we just ask that you would continue to work in that country. We just see on the news, we, we, just, we think it looks like an absolute mess from where we stand, Lord. And all we hear is the bad news. Lord, we pray that the Christians in that country who are remaining faithful, who are continuing to meet together, who are continuing to worship you and are continuing to live their lives following Jesus, we pray that you would strengthen them. We pray that their country would be transformed. 
We pray against the power that is working so fully in that country to destroy it. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would cause a revival in that country. We pray that the Christians of that country would step up. We pray that as Christians around the world, as their brothers and sisters, we would support them in prayer, financially, with aid, development, any way we can. But primarily, Lord, as we stand here tonight with prayer, we pray that we would continue to support and encourage them through prayer. We think about our own community, Lord, locally around here, around Wodonga. Lord, we pray for every ministry that's happening in this town, every ministry that seeks to glorify you and every ministry that seeks to redeem our community for you. We think of, uh, we think of playgroup ministries, Lord. We think of school teachers. We think of army chaplains and army ministers, Lord. We think of people working in universities. We think of people working in churches. Lord, we think of Christians in our workplaces as well as ourselves in our workplaces, Lord, and we pray that we would continue to work faithfully for the redemption of this community as you will have it. Lord, we pray we'd work faithfully one street at a time, one family at a time. We pray we'd walk across the street if it takes that much. Lord, we pray we'd walk across the room if it takes that much just to talk about you with someone. Lord, we know that ultimate freedom, ultimate identity comes in Christ and that's guaranteed as he was the sacrifice of atonement for our sins. And Lord, we just pray that we will continue to work towards being renewed um, by the transforming of our minds so that we can be more like you and so that our community and ultimately our world can be more like you. Help us to get a handle on your character, Lord. Help us to know your faithfulness, your justice, your mercy, your love, your anger, your hatred of sin, your love of people. Lord, we pray we'll be faithful to that. We pray we will continue to serve the gospel gospel with all we have. Uh, We lift up to you tonight, Lord, this service, and we lift up to you the words that Phil will speak to us. We pray we wouldn't go here without letting them wash over the top of us. We pray we would listen. We pray we would be changed. Lift these things to Jesus. Uh, Lift these things to you now, Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To begin. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we just ask now, Lord, that Jesus, that you would speak to us powerfully from your word, God. Uh, May may the words that I speak as your servant, may the words that are not yours, Lord Jesus, may they please fall to the ground unheard, but may your words, Lord, penetrate to the deepest part of our beings, God. Our Father God, give us alertness. Give us our desire to to hear this and to listen. Please help us be sharp and attentive to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Well, has anybody here seen the movie Spider-Man? Just a show of hands, Spider-Man. Maybe comic, some of you guys read it, yeah. What about Spider-Man 3? Some of you, yeah. Um, Well, a bit of the plot, if you haven't, from Spider-Man 3. Uh, There is this meteor that crashes into the ground, and then from this meteor... A strange black symbiotic kind of thing comes out of the meteor. And the substance attaches itself to Peter Parker's suit. Pretty cool plot, isn't it? Oh, you haven't seen it, you want to go and see it now. And uh, it turns Spider-Man's suit from like just this red material, which is just nothing, into this um, black kind of alive suit. And uh, the black suit gives Peter Parker greater strength, but it also magnifies his dark side. And the more Peter Parker uses the suit in the movie, the more the strange black stuff takes him over. 
And Spider-Man, you know, the usual kind of, you know, he's got to fight these different villains. Um, but at the same time, he's forced to fight against um, his dark side um, that's been magnified by the new black suit. And the proof is that he turns a bit kind of gothic emo, which is like he has a really dark fringe that goes over the front like this, and he wears, like, makeup, as you do when you get all dark and weird. Um, <laughs> joke. That's a joke. That's not supposed to be mean at all. Um, but the suit is, in some sense, uh, oppressing. It's oppressing um, poor old Peter Parker. And the question that lingers during the movie is, can he get free of the, the sinister black suit, the new oppressor? Now, I want to ask us all to think about this uh, oppressing kind of thing and ask you the question, is anything oppressing you? I can't see any black suits out there, so I'll take it. You haven't, you're not struggling with the same thing Peter Parker did. What would you say, though? Are you being uh, oppressed in any way at the moment? Now, you probably think to yourself, no, I'm not. Physically, I'm not. I'm not, like, um, oppressed by anything. I'm not held captive um, by Chinese authorities. Uh, I'm not locked away in a detention centre somewhere, like, you know, somewhere in Australia. Um, but it's amazing the number of things that can actually oppress us. Um, in our lives. They're not physically, physical steel bars, but other stuff. The oppressor is more like Peter Parker's suit, you know, like it's more subtle and you might not even um, pick it up. You might not think you're being oppressed at all. Um, I want to go through a few things right at the beginning of the message that I think um, are things that actually oppress us. And so you're, the question or the activity for you is to kind of engage with, oh, are any of these things kind of oppressing me. Are they all problem oppressor? First one, uh, self-image. Uh, so, do you perhaps think, I'm not beautiful, or I'm not physically strong? Um, so, you, this might be you. Maybe you spend your time thinking and acting um, about how you can make yourself look beautiful. I wonder if that's you. So you spend all this time thinking about it. So you want to, you're thinking to yourself, I've just got to buy some products to help me out, you know, or I've got to buy the clothes that will somehow transform me to look beautiful, or I'm going to cut my hair a certain way, or I'm going to work out to get the right kind of muscle toning. So the thought, the deep down belief, if that is you, is that you're not beautiful, okay? So you're oppressed by the need to make yourself look beautiful somehow. Um, all this time and energy spent thinking about it. I wonder, does self-image, does that oppress you? Let's take another one. Um, some people can be oppressed by a desire to find value, by finding self-value. So instead of seeking it in, a healthy, in healthy places, in a healthy manner... We find ourselves basing our value on what people say to us. Um, so we then spend now time trying to make people like us. Um, we spend our time, um, it might not be everybody, you might just want certain people to, to say they like you or value you. So you start doing things uh, to try and get people to instill value into you. Um, you might put other people down. Um, because the people you want to like you don't like them, right? You might um, 
get drunk because you think, if I do that, that, the people that I value might start liking me and that'll make me feel valued. Um, or maybe it's doing drugs to win the favour of, of people. Or sleeping around. Some people do that to um, instill value into them. I wonder, does value, does your desire for self-value oppress you? Now let's talk about something else. Maybe it's not these things. Maybe it's more uh, something, maybe it could be this. It could be that you're oppressed or consumed by a desire to succeed. So you just want to succeed in work or sport or whatever and, it, and, and you're driven by it so much that it's, it's all you can think about. I wonder, does that oppress you? And what about expectations? Do expectations oppress you? They might be real, you know, or they might actually be perceived that you kind of, they're in your own mind what, um, what, it should be, what you should be doing. So a, an oppressed person in this way would be seeking to live a life meeting the expectations of other people. So all the thinking and all the behaviours would be, I've just got to make sure my, my parents think I'm going all right. Or, no, no, it's my friends. My friends, I just want to meet their expectations. Or it's the world expectations that I'm trying to meet. Or it's, maybe it's my own expectations. We can be held captive and oppressed by expectations. And now, you can be held captive or oppressed by rebelling from expectations as well. There's an interesting one. So a person says, you know, you should be like this. And you go, stuff you, I will not mould into your expectation of me and then you spend your life, your time, your energy trying to rebel. So ironically, you're oppressed by rebelling. Now, a community form of oppression, they just keep, and maybe this is you, maybe you're in this with me. Um, A community form of oppression on us, on our society is this, that we believe that if you've got more money, you can have a better life. So, To have greater well-being in life, you've just got to earn more money. So people work harder and harder to try and buy the things that they are being told will bring them greater pleasure in life, when as statistics say it just doesn't work. So in this way, a society is pressed, it's held captive by the pursuit uh, of a false promise. A better life, you know, the promise of a better life that cannot be kept, and you find yourself working towards it. It's like a treasure that it's a marketed, it's a marketed illusion. Now, all these things, right, value, um, self-image, expectations, all that sort of stuff, it's not wrong to think about any of this stuff. It's not wrong to dress yourself up um, or keep physically fit or want other people to value you or want to succeed in life or sport or whatever, but when that thinking becomes like negative and it becomes a condemning voice on your life and heart, you know, or it becomes all-consuming so that all you can think about is doing this thing or getting it right or whatever, we're oppressed by that area. We're oppressed by the thinking. We are slaves held captive by a slave driver. Now, when I think of these very things myself, I feel the pressure. I, I immensely feel the pressure um, of these things to their desire to grab a hold of my life and to keep me down. 
from any number of these things. I can feel the pressure of being, my thinking being consumed and oppressed. Oppressing me to, from living truly freely. So the question, do, do any of those things, do you feel oppression from any of those things? Is your thinking, your actions spent trying to do these things? Do you see it around you? Do you see that oppression in the lives of people here or outside in the community? Do you see it? There's a, there's a very complex issue, um, all these kind of issues that we can personally have. But here's the truth. All this pain and oppression is symptomatic of something far greater. As big a problem and as rife as our struggle with self-image and, you know, just to be, feel like we're beautiful or whatever, expectations, they're rife, but they are symptoms of the mother of all problems. And the mother of all problems is sin. I define sin as being the conscious or unconscious decision to ignore God, to reject God. To ignore and reject God as the ultimate king of the universe, the creator of the world. Sin, to ignore or reject both God and the way he intends for people to live. It's like when people's relationship with God break down, then people's relationship with everything else breaks down as well. Everything gets distorted, twisted, and broken because we've lost connection with God who brings together everything in perfect harmony and synchronisation. The truth that uh, sin is the root cause of oppression, so all these things that we feel, that we feel and grapple with, the, 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 the truth is seen in the very beginning of time. So to take us back, to the beginning when God creates, creates the world. And in Genesis 1.31, God, after he's created the world, he just goes, that is good. We've got no problems at this point. It's just working the way God intended it to work. The sun rising, you know, and setting over the earth that is operating in perfect harmony. The earth supporting all things beautiful, from the smallest of plants and animals to the largest. And right in the midst of this beauty and harmony, we have man and woman enjoying relationship with God and with each other. No problems, no murder, no criminal activity, no weird agendas. So perfect and accepting are people of their self that they don't adorn themselves with all these things that actually were nothing. Not that I'm advocating that tonight. There appears to be nothing, no binding, oppressing issues that we have now. And then we know the story, many of us, many of us it goes completely wrong. We hear they reject God by rejecting his command to not eat of the, tr- the fruit, fruit of a certain tree. And hear this from Genesis 3.7. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, 
And they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in a garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Check out the immediate effects of sinning, of, of turning your back from God. The, the Adam and Eve, they get embarrassed. They get self-conscious about their nakedness and they need to cover themselves up and they become terribly afraid of God. And if we were to continue reading, we, we hear that as sin continues its course, it corrupts, it spreads and contaminates all of the created order. Relationships with God get strained, and then the outfall is relationships between people get strained, and then the relationship between God, uh, between the people and the land gets strained as well. And today, we're still oppressed by sin and its effects. So in, today, instead of understanding that we are valued, instead of understanding that we are actually beautiful in our own right, instead of understanding what real success is, each of these deep desires within people get distorted and they can begin to oppress the person. Sin has the effect of altering our perception, of corrupting our thinking. Sin is as real today as when Adam and Eve first chose to reject God back in the Garden of Eden. Paul writes in Romans 3, he says, There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the symptoms, all the stuff I shared before, the symptoms in our lives testify to this truth, testify to the distorted nature of life now because of sin. Now, some people are, are aware of this, but some people are blinded to it. Kind of just got used to it, like a bird in a cage. The bird that was born in the cage, that doesn't know any different. The bird in the cage that doesn't know what it's like to be free. To add to the, the problem of sin oppression is a sad truth that no self-powered escape plan will work. You can't get out of it by yourself. And the end result of sin oppression, the punishment for our sinning against God is death. Death eternal. This is where we differ from Peter Parker. Peter Parker was able to be freed from the suit by reaching deep down into himself to find that which was good. And his goodness, once he found it, he was able to overcome the badness of the evil suit. But with sin, with sin, no. No self-powered human effort can end up in freedom. No matter if it's excellent, good works. Giving your money away, serving the poor, righting some injustice in the world. Can't get you out of it. You can't even escape oppression and death and hell by 
a church affiliation or through connection with a Christian family. If your parents are Christian, doesn't matter. You can't escape sin and the effects directing to hell through Sunday connection or your involvement in a ministry. It all, in the end, accounts to a failed escape plan. You have to hear it. God's word says people are slaves to sin. Do you feel, are you aware of the serious problem of sin in your life? Do you understand that this is your problem and my problem? And do you know, actually, whether you feel it, understand it or not, it doesn't really matter because your fate is the same. We need to grow in awareness of the oppressive nature of sin in our life and the life of others. And if we are at this point, right now in the service, if we are at this point feeling uncomfortable or overwhelmed by negativity, or the problem, or you're making me feel rubbish, Phil. That's what it's supposed to do. If we could honestly, right now, understand more the horrible, pitiful, despicable, corrupt nature of our sin and the world's sin, what it means for us to reject God, if we could honestly understand that right now, we would grieve. We would mourn. We would mourn our sin. We'd mourn it over what people have become. If we could understand that sinful people, when they finally meet God, when they finally get into his presence, that he is justified to send them to hell for eternity, if we could understand that, we should be deeply burdened. Deeply, deeply burdened. And if you're not, you've missed it completely. Do we understand the oppression of sin? Now, some of us go to church regularly. And let me put this in for you. Some of us have been inoculated. You, you come, we might come to church and you hear it and you go like, wow, that's really terrible. There's nothing. Completely miss it. Water off a duck's back. You've been inoculated. But if God turned up tonight in this church building if he fan ink and manifested his presence here tonight, my goodness me, you wouldn't know what to do. None of us would know what to do. Flat on our face, you know, if we don't know Jesus, we'd just be like fearing life. Honestly, you're trying to get a glimpse of if God turned up tonight. You know, got to get over that inoculation. Really have to do that. No one can do it for you. Do we understand that, people? Do we really understand the oppressive nature of sin? on our lives in the world and where that leads us. Do we really understand it? I reckon um, if we could get our heads around it just a little bit more and then we can't escape by ourselves, that we really can't, we've got nothing. The next thing, the most beautiful Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing to hear is the sound of hope, is the, is the path to freedom. The beautiful words are Jesus. Jesus comes to bring freedom. Jesus comes to bring freedom. It's the only one who can bring freedom. 
It's from the mouth of Jesus himself. He's referring to himself. It's for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save that which was held captive, enslaved to sin. Romans 10.13 says, Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's possible through uh, some amazing thing that, that Jesus did. And let's hear it for the first time, people. The favourite verse uh, that gets spoken out so much, but so full of um, truth and life. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus dies on the cross for the sin of the world. This is how it's made possible. The punishment that people rightly deserve for their rejection of God, Jesus takes on himself. He dies in our place. That if we believe, if we believe in Jesus, we can be set free, released from sin, forgiven from all sin. There's no condemnation at all for those who have faith in Jesus. We're given an assured hope in Jesus for life beyond physical death. Set free now to be in relationship with God for all eternity. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People, Jesus comes to bring freedom. I wonder if you know that. Freedom. One of my uh, favourite passages in the Bible is the story of the of the repentant sinner uh, on one of the crosses next to Jesus. I love it. I think it's absolutely amazing. Um, there, right next to Jesus, is this felon, this criminal. Um, he's a bloke who's been completely written off by society. You know, probably rightfully so. They say he's not fit to live anymore. On the other side of Jesus, another criminal being executed, but he's not at all like the repentant sinner. Listen to the conversation between the three men being executed. Um, one of the criminals who hung there held insults at him. He says, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. He says, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we're punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. This is amazing because this guy is written off completely. Yet when he acknowledges his sin and puts his faith in Jesus... Jesus says to him, I'll see you in a couple of hours. I'll see you in a couple of hours in, in paradise, in heaven with me. Jesus comes to bring freedom to save us from oppression. Do you know this freedom? Do you know it? Have you been set free through faith in Jesus? I really, I really hope so. Now, 
before, I, I was talking about these different things that oppress us. Christians and non-Christians alike. Like self-value, self-image, that sort of stuff. And the cross of Christ speaks directly into that as well. As you begin to serve Jesus, getting to know him from his word, you begin to see things, including yourself, the true way, the way God sees it. And over time, God will set you free. Paul says it like this. He says, you're going to be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me give you one example. We talked about before about this value, right? The stuff that we do in our life just to try and have people value us. Whatever it is, really negative behaviour or not so negative, but we just want people to value us. Because we think ultimately we're not valued until someone says it or values us. And if you take the words that, you know, God so loved the world, you know, that he gave his only son, that speaks so much to our value, our sense of value. So it's what it's saying is, stop trying to be valued, stop trying to be valued and surrender to the truth of God's word on your life that you are valued. You are valued. You don't have to do stuff to be valued. God looks at you and he says, he just loves you. You are valued in Jesus Christ. You start getting your head around stuff like, it was God who formed us in our mother's womb. It's God who sends his son Jesus to redeem us. It's God who sustains our breath right now. We are valued deeply. Now, we can be set free from thinking we're not and doing all this stuff in our life and having so much of our energy expended on being valued. But then when we believe that we are intimately valued now, we just stop doing all the stuff. Do you know what I mean? We, just, we don't have to try and get everyone to value us because you surrender to the truth. It's like God values me. And you're set free from all that thinking. And you could take any number of all those things, all those things the cross of Christ speaks freedom to. Do you know his freedom? Well, tonight's message, right, it's the final one in a series on uh, the mission of a follower of Jesus Christ. It's titled Mission, Pursuing Proclamation. Uh, The purpose of the message is to encourage us to proclaim, to declare, to speak out this good news, you know, and tell people about the freedom they can have in Jesus Christ and begin this relationship with God. Why have I spent all this time, why have I spent all this time talking about the basic stuff that we've no doubt heard a zillion times before. Why? Instead of simply telling us to get out there and proclaim it. I'll tell you why. Because I think that if each of us here tonight can reconnect with the significance of God's gracious work in our lives, if we can just get a taste of that amazing significance, 
his love poured out over us in Jesus. That we're set free now from that which was sin, leading to death, hell, and the wrath of God. Do you think that, I just think that would awaken us. Don't you think? Awaken us to the, to the, the like, oh my goodness me, I've got to tell people about it. Because I've got it here. I've met it again. I know I'm free. I know I've got eternal life. Don't you think? Can you remember how sweet it was to hear the good news the first time you put your faith in Jesus and to know that that was declared over you? Maybe you're hearing the sweetness of the message for the first time. God wants us to know the good news of God's love in Jesus, to know it and receive his love. Just receive it through faith, people. This is who you are now if your faith is in Jesus. To receive it. And he wants us to share it from overflow. You know, he wants us to know it, grapple with it every day and, and receive it and then just go, oh, I've got to tell someone about this. Do you know what I mean? I've got to tell someone about this freedom. The closer we walk with Jesus, the more we come to see the natural place of sharing about it with other people. Is it sweet still for you? Listen to these words from Romans, um, chapter 12, verse 12. It says, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Gentile, that's non-Jewish people, that's us. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Then he goes on. Paul goes on. He says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? That is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The oppression you have felt or currently experience is a state of every person without Jesus. And God wants to use us to declare the way of finding freedom through faith in Jesus Christ. He really does. If your faith is in Jesus, you are sent. You are sent, if your faith is in Jesus, to to people to preach, to proclaim, to communicate in whatever way possible the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus in Matthew tells us that. We are commanded to go. Today, at any time, tomorrow, the next day, at any time, a person can declare their sorry state before God, call on the name of Jesus and be saved. A person can repent, acknowledge their depravity before a perfect God and ask for Jesus, uh, forgiveness through Jesus and what he did on the cross and they can be set free. At the cross of Jesus, everyone can find freedom. Will you be a person who tells people the way to find it? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in How can they believe in the one they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Will you be a person who tells people the way to find freedom? Tonight, my encouragement is twofold. Just 
just to round up, just twofold really. The first one is for you yourself to find freedom in Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. Find freedom in Jesus Christ. That might mean that you need to recommit your life today. That might mean that you, know, you might have to recommit, you know, I'll give your life for the first time to Jesus. But the first thing is that. Find freedom yourself through faith in Jesus. And the second part, from that place, declare. From that place of knowing God's love and freedom, proclaim any way you can. You don't have to stand on a little soapbox, whatever a soapbox is. You just have to find a way of speaking into people's lives the good news of Jesus Christ. Twofold, pretty straightforward. Find it yourself and from that, reach out and share it. Let's pray. Father God, we um, come before you now and um, we know that you offer us freedom in Jesus' name. And uh, Lord God, I, I pray that your spirit would work amongst us, that you, your spirit would continue to work amongst us right now, God. And that by the power of your spirit, you'd be drawing us back to yourself, convicting us of our sin and causing us to see our need for putting our faith in the only way of finding freedom. Holy Spirit, do this, we pray. Father God, help us by your Spirit to, to give our lives to you, to receive this in faith. It's a work of your Spirit to believe, Lord, and we, we ask your Spirit to help us. And Father God, help us, make us a people who know it so deeply that we naturally want to share about it. Father God, we want to see the world find freedom eternal in Jesus' name. Relationship with God for all eternity. That's what we long for, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.